The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that the ancient Thracians occasionally <laughs> rode armadillos into battle? Because the ancient Thracians were eight inches tall. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> to find out more information like that about armadillos and to unlock bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 55 through 58, which are the final chapters of The Shadow Rising, book four of The Wheel of Time. So previously things were looking pretty bad for Emmonsfield, but you know, it's never too dark for a wedding. Also, Perrin wounds Slayer in a dream. Also... Totally unrelated. Lord Luke is mysteriously wounded. I don't know what that's about. It was really weird. Uh, tough break for Lord Luke. The NDA interns continue to solve the fucking case, and they casually point out that the new bestie is actually a, a Sean Chen, but, you know, uh, NDA decides that it's fine because she's just so dang likable. Just keep her around, you know? Also, Nynaeve learns a new dream trick and uses it to clumsily stumble into deadly enemies twice. And then they're off on a magic heist, which, of course, they have to bring their new Sean Chen bestie, because that's just who you want to have along on a, on a mysterious adventure. Um, while they're out there, Elaine kicks some ass and drops a bunch of sweet one-liners, while Nynaeve fights a Forsaken for some reason. But she wins, so that's good. And then she decides to just let her go. Sure, whatever. Fucking Nynaeve, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The first time I captured a Forsaken, I panicked. <laughs> you know, like, it's... It'd be one thing if she panicked, but she's just like, no, I think I better uh, take her in for trial. No, just fucking kill her. <laughs> this is the time you kill somebody. <laughs> she's never killed anybody, right? She's not a killer. She... No, she just she's just a bully. She just beats people up. Mm-hmm. I guess so. But I mean, like, she knows that in a trial, they're gonna probably kill the Forsaken, right? Or they Probably just... steal her and make her scrub pots. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. I just feel like if anyone's going to die, it should probably be a Forsaken. Yeah, I don't feel like they can be rehabilitated. It's kind of in their name. Yeah, they are pretty Forsaken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the redeemables. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So chapter 55, Into the Deep, with the icon of the waves. So this takes place right at the end of the last chapter where Nynaeve finished her Forsaken slash Balefire fight. <laughs> So they definitely failed the stealth part of this mission. Like, Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, there was like this sneaking in and out idea that they kind of gave up pretty much immediately, right? It's like a Final Fantasy dungeon. This place is collapsing. <laughs> They're running away. Turns out you can't have a Balefire Rampage uh, without drawing a little bit of attention to yourself. Right. Yeah, they, Nynaeve and Elaine meet back up in the, this palace, and the palace is collapsing. It's falling apart. Uh, it's rumbling, all the servants are running away. I hope they all get out, all the right? people that work here. Don't worry about it. It's <laughs> not a big deal. Yeah. But we gotta make sure we don't kill that Forsaken. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that would be wrong. <laughs> but they, so Elaine has been torturing Amathira? Yeah, That's what I, I know. was guessing. Yeah, so we're, we're, she says she's been talking to her in like heavy air quotes, right? But clearly she's been abusing her. Yeah, with the one power, because Amathira keeps saying... I want to go get control of my army again and, and help this situation out. Which is probably not like a bad idea. Seems reasonable. Yeah. I mean, if you're the leader, 
then yeah, that would make sense to me. Right. Yeah, yeah but she keeps like looking over at Elaine and then deciding that maybe that isn't the best idea what so to do. Whatever Elaine did to her was pretty bad. It must have been. There is no, and she then says, uh, yeah, I'll do it exactly as you say. There is no need for more dot, dot, dot talking. Yeah, she's yeah, I mean, like, a beat, I, I assume there's some beating in, or at least some, some pain involved. Yeah. I mean, I said I probably have ways to make you feel pain that don't leave any marks on you, right? I think I said I are not allowed that. to use power, the one power as a weapon. Elaine's not a nice to die. I know, right? Oh, that's a good point. She has She doesn't take in those oaths. oaths. She can yeah. do all the things that she can just people. people do, yeah. You know wow. who else does that? The Black Aja. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. She'd make a really good Black Aja. <laughs> <laughs> so they sneak out in the riot that they've started. And by sneak out, I mean they they have a team of sailor bully boys around them, and they like club their way out through the riot. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that during this time, Tom complains that the Panarch Legion has fled and is not putting an end to this riot. But that's because the Panarch isn't giving them any orders, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So you know they probably could have helped out there a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But Elaine never even considers letting Amathira do anything about this. In fact, she takes her and humiliates her by treating her like a refugee and making her go work in the kitchens at the... Right. Yeah, it's very weird. And meanwhile, Tom is here saying, oh, you're going to be such a great queen someday to Elaine. Yeah, I, I don't quite get this. I, I think maybe what he's going for is that Amathira is a spoiled noble who needs to be taught a lesson by the virtuous uh, noble that is Elaine. <laughs> is Elaine that virtuous, though? I, mean, I, like... I think that's what we're supposed to be getting from this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she takes her to her inn and forces her to start working at the inn as like a, to scrub pots or something. Yeah. yeah it was, this was weird. And, and uh, you know, this, this, this whole riot that's going on is because they think someone's murdered the Panar. They could stop that, too. Yeah, right? And, like, again, we, we they talked about this before, and, and Nynaeve even kind of, like, thinks about it a little bit. She's like, I bet a lot of people are getting hurt, probably dying, because we know that the White Cloaks are, like, swinging their swords around the crowd, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are dying. There's a lot of collateral damage happening right here. But don't worry, it's only people who are riding because they were starving. Right. <laughs> but we're not going to kill a Forsaken. Yeah, this, this whole thing rings really weird to me. Yeah, I almost wondered if there was, like, something that the editors had taken out, because I was really confused about the whole Elaine Panart dynamic, and I was going back and trying to see if there was, like, a, a chunk that I had missed somewhere previously about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it would make sense if, like, if Amathira had said something like, I'm going to get the Panarch Legion and we're going to kill all those rioters. Yeah. Then Elaine would have a reason to stop her from doing this. Yeah. And they, and they, they, the Panarch's trying to do her thing and they keep talking about her like she's saying she's like a spoiled little girl and pouting. So I think you're right, Jeff, that it's this idea that the noble, noble is supposed to take over, I guess. Yeah. yeah, they're, they're yeah. Not- she makes a pouty face, but then Nynaeve thinks, you know, actually I think that's just her face. <laughs> No, she says Snap. the Panarch was pouting like a girl afraid of being sent to bed without supper, which, I mean, she's been tortured for days, and now she's captured by people yeah. who are torturing her more. I mean, While she she's trying was. to get control of her army. Yeah. I, I mean, I yeah. kind of think she has cause to pout. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Or maybe we should just not call it pouting, you yes. know? Just because she's a woman who isn't getting what she wants doesn't mean she has to be pouting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I also want to point out just kind of like a, a fun side thing. There's there's a point when uh, Nynaeve admits that she accidentally let Mogedian go and she nearly dies admitting that she did something wrong. Like, <laughs> like they talk about how, oh, Nynaeve hates admitting, because it's from Nynaeve's perspective. She's like, oh, I really hate admitting that I've done something wrong. You know, oh, it's just, this is the worst thing ever. And it's just like, 
You let a forsaken go. No, and you like everything that's happening, like the palace collapsing, is kind of your fault a little bit, right? Yeah, well, I, I mean, was, she wasn't swinging the bale fire around, but she also wasn't paying close attention to what her surroundings. I, I, I hate this, but I'm gonna be on Team Nynaeve again here. What? Uh, gotcha. I mean, come this, on. Like, I give her a solid B for her performance here, right? <laughs> she did beat Mogedian in the first place. No, no, I, 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 the plan worked. They snuck in. They, they got hold of the Panarch. They got the items they were going for. The Mogedian thing was not even part of the plan but she dealt with it no. maybe not ideally well you could mark you could definitely mark this as a like in the win column they, the mission went overall pretty well but it, <laughs> it could have been a little smoother i think and probably a lot less like palace collapsey well it's also Nynaeve has no idea how Mogedian was able to escape after being shielded by Nynaeve so obviously Nynaeve just didn't know that maybe because they haven't actually spent any time learning to be Aes Sedai because they've been out moving around doing stuff i have mm-hmm. wondered if she did she didn't i mean like i think Nynaeve says that this isn't the case but i have wondered if she didn't get bail fired and we just didn't see it happen because i a, a bail fire i think causes you to just like go away right like you just yeah you like yeah. you pop or something. yeah you burst out of existence as, as, as what we've seen so far with bail fire so would Nynaeve know if mcgettian had gotten hit by bail fire maybe know. not maybe not yeah, yeah. right so at the end, they've dealt with this situation, I guess. Their work here is done. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, well, they, they did, right? They got the thing that the Black Aja were looking for. Yeah. And they decide, well, we're not going to go after the Black Aja, really. They even got the bonus objective, the, uh, the little seal yeah, of the, the dark, dark one. one seal, yeah. yeah they, well <laughs> the, the Optional bonus objective. <laughs> the collectible. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. And uh, so Nene makes the plan to throw, take Baeldomon's boat or have Baeldomon sail out into the deepest part of the ocean and drop the bracelets in there. This, this is actually something I that... I thought that was a great plan. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally... Like, I am in favor of Nynaeve's decision here because I think someone was like, oh, I guess we got to take this back to the White Tower and that's a terrible idea. Like, this, oh, is, a, yeah. this is a very dangerous artifact yeah. and I, we, we know the White Tower would immediately abuse this. So right? why not drop the Dark One seal there also? That's a good question. I think I think we don't know enough about how a Dark One seal is broken yet. Like, if it could be done remotely, we don't want it... Um, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want it away from where it can be guarded, but yeah, the, we don't know the rules the, yet. Well, we know the forces of darkness are definitely looking for them, trying to find them. True. Mm-hmm. So that's a good question. Yeah, drop that in the middle of the ocean and maybe that'd be fine. Or maybe they just get like a, maybe they can smell them somehow. Because they, be <laughs> they seem to be able to locate them. You mean bit. sense them? No, it's... <laughs> no, smell them? Okay. <laughs> Sounds like seal out here. <laughs> yeah. They can that's... smell the taint on it. Well, then why don't you throw it in the ocean? There's a lot of seals. No, it's good. Yeah, it's all right. Also a B. <laughs> it's all B plus. It's fine. C-ish. Aw, C. <laughs> no, <laughs> just no. Moving on. Right. Yeah. Indeed. Moving on. That's. I think that's the end of their story. Team Nynaeve. Nynaeve's detective agency has succeeded once again. This made me really happy, though. Like, because that's what I would think. Like, why don't we just take this awful evil thing and just drop it in the ocean and. I don't know. It just made me really happy that for yeah, once smart. they acted, they did something intelligent. Oh, and you know what didn't happen? What? Nobody rescued them. They didn't need it. That's true. Yeah. Didn't walk into a trap this time, sort of. I mean, they sort of kind of... Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Mogedian <laughs> sort of had a trap thing going, but they sprung it and, you know, Nynaeve got out on her own. And right. they managed to not be shitheads to all the men for, like, well, a whole chapter. Well, I mean, relatively speaking. Yeah. Sure. And mostly they just weren't talking to them, I think. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It was it was a win, and I I think that naive handling of the the evil artifact is great. I was thinking about this, like even even the tricks that naive used to 
find it in the first place probably wouldn't work because if you're under the ocean in the dream you die right like i think that's the rule well you, do you get crushed immediately like how does the pressure differential work I, I don't know i mean like you drown i think you can drown into the in the dream you, you can just like go out you can leave again right if you're still conscious i suppose so why has nobody done scientific research into water pressure in Riyadh? why <laughs> right yeah you need to read more viren would have known this That's yeah right. she probably would have speaking of chapter 56 golden eyes icon of the wolf mm-hmm. this chapter is glorious it's pretty good. Yeah. So we start with Perrin writing a goodbye letter to Fael because they know the Trollocs are coming en masse to kill everybody at Emmons Field and they can't possibly hold them all off. You know, for Perrin saying he's like not that good with words, this, this is a solid letter. I mean, there's not a lot to it, but this is like A plus material. Like, this is like yeah, gonna right. get you. Like, if you weren't writing it to someone who was gonna find his corpse, he'd totally get boned for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually got a little choked up the part when you hear the breeze stir through the apple blossoms, it's my whisper that I love you because, like, the rest of his family is dead and buried under the apple tree and he thinks he's going to be joining them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah. It's like A-plus panty drop material. <laughs> he's, he's wasting it. He's just using this on, on, in situations right, where he, he can live this it. note up and put it in his pocket and write another note like See ya. <laughs> exactly. Later toots. <laughs> so yeah, they've, they've learned that the main Trolloc attack is coming. Thousands and thousands of Trollocs. And Perrin does this really cool kind of tour of the defenses, right? Yeah. He, he, all the women are in the center of town and they've made a literal ring of bodies around all the children who are in the middle. Because they think it'll come to that, right? And they've all got their kitchen knives and stuff. I think this is really well written too. It's just like him walking through and... and interacting with all these people. It felt very, it was, it's kind of cinematic, but it felt good. I thought that was nice. It, yeah. It, it really builds up the, the dread. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause they all know it's coming and they all know there's no way out. I, I have to say, I think this is the most solid Robert Jordan writing outside of the Ruidian sequence mm. that I've read so far. This yeah. whole chapter is just brilliant. Right. Yeah. It's great. Uh, yeah. Perrin visits the, the defenses on the four sides of the city and they're all led by a different person. And everybody calls him, you know, Perrin Golden Eyes or Lord Perrin. And every time he's like, don't call me Lord Perrin, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And Aram and, is just following him too, he's decided. Right, yeah. Creeping. Yeah, he tries to give orders to Aram, but Aram's like, no, I'm just going to follow you around. Yeah. Where you go, I go. Everywhere <laughs> you go. No, <laughs> right, and Perrin doesn't know how to deal with this. Maybe regular lords have a way to deal with this? Crazos? Mm. They, they have guards, right? <laughs> but So there's a confrontation with the White Cloaks because... They, they're mounted up and they're going to leave. They're not going to participate in the defense. God, shitty to the last drop. The worst, mm-hmm. because they're all like, yeah, this is still, we still think that you're behind all this and you're going to let the frolics kill all of your townsfolk and then dance on their corpses or something. Yeah. But uh, we're going to go now. Yeah, but Perrin makes a deal. Like he says, I'll go, you know, I'll go with you and you can kill me or whatever. If, uh, if you just fight in the defenses. Which mm. I thought he already made that deal, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. did. But I guess they were leaving, so they were going to renege on it. And so he decided to right. redo it, I guess. Yeah, I guess Bornhold's been drinking, so he's not like... You know, he's not uh, not really paying attention to what's going on anyway, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But so Perrin eventually stations himself on the north side of town, where one of the Trolloc wings is coming in. And then the battle happens. It's really cool. The Trollocs in their giant mass pour out of the trees. and uh, they, 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 For the first time we've ever heard sort of that Trolloc in the very first book who talks 
they actually shout a word. There's there's a battle cry. Isam. 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 Yeah. We don't know what that means, but it, it's a, a, a distinguishable word from the Trollocs, which is something that they're not used to hearing. Right. And the Aes Sedai are doing that super cool thing with the catapults again. Yeah, to make the stones explode. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking about that. What do you think they're doing? Do you think they're just like superheating the interior of the rock so it's like a molten core and it shatters? And, oh, yeah, maybe that's it. Or maybe they're building the... They're, um, Increasing the pressure of the core so that it's Some like kind of super potential compressed. energy thing. Yeah, I was kind of wondering like what what because because it makes sense. I mean, the Aes Sedai could be throwing fireballs around, but if they can waste like, use just like a small amount of energy on lots of different spots, it's more yeah. valuable. But I was yeah, wondering they can, like they what they use more they do? do more overall energy over time because they're using a longer amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Also, they don't you know want to get too involved because they're detached Aes Sedai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there's the trollics charge through these exploding <clears throat> catapult shots and. Through the hail of arrows from those good two rivers longbows. Yeah. And uh, Loyal is there kicking ass, and Gaul and Shiat are fighting back to back, which is super cool. Yeah, because they're totally in love now. Yeah, they are. But the Trollocs make it to the stakes and literally pile, make a pile on the stake wall of their own bodies that yeah. the other Trollocs crawl over. This is really ugly. Yeah, it's just a massacre. And the Trollocs push them back from the stakes and push them back between the, the houses. And everybody's fighting. And even the women, the women who are staying at the center, come out and join. Yeah, they them. come and join them in the fight. And there's, I really like the scene where like, uh, Bode Cawthon is being lifted up, screaming by her hair by a Trolloc, but she's still chopping it, and like another one stabbing it. Another girl is stabbing in the back. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're like kicking ass. There's one where one part where I think it's um, where it's Egwene's mom like knocks a Trolloc down, like hamstrings a trollic and then like chops the back of its head to kill it. Yeah. It's like super methodical. It's like, oh man, she's so bad. Because Mistress Alvira is like the coolest character in the entire series. She's mm-hmm. hardcore and yeah. she's like Great. chill as like chill as fuck. You right. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but the, they, they can all see that they're about to be overrun and the, the day is lost. But then help comes in the form of the, the men from Watch Hill. They come out of the forest and they start peppering the Trollocs with arrows from behind. The Trollocs panic because they're getting shot from both directions and they're killed down to the last Trolloc. Ah, it's so cool. It's so good, yeah. And, and it's not just uh, Watch Hill, it's Devon's Ride, too. Yeah, yeah, they, they both attacked the opposite sides of the thing. I think the ones in the north were Watch Hill. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But they were uh, led by Fael. Yeah! Yeah, she brought the relief, baby. So good. <laughs> It's so great. It's glorious. It's so good. This is a really fantastic battle scene. Like, from start to finish, it's really well yeah, done. Yeah, it's so tense. Yeah. It's so dramatic. Yeah. Oh, and it's just so sweet at the end. Just, oh. Yeah, and then and then Perrin sees Fael, and they ride to each other, literally across the mounds of Trolloc corpses. <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, wa- walking past a flailing, like, Myrdral, headless Myrdral. I know, it's so <laughs> romantic. stepped on a... <laughs> Almost like stepped on the ground, you know. slick with blood, and they and they they meet up and they they smooch. It's great. We did have to have one little like ugh, cringy thing where like she tries to make him promise that he'll always tell her if he's mad at her, but he realizes well she didn't promise she'll tell me when she's mad at me. <laughs> so of course we had to have just a little bit of that, but it yeah. didn't ruin it. It didn't ruin it. No, it's yeah, good. it's really sweet. And this, I defend Fael. This is solid. Yes, right? yep. came through. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, I uh, I think that she she made a great decision, and you know she saved the day. She mm-hmm. hardcore saved the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 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 Devon's ride thing, like the Watch Hill thing, makes sense. The Devon's ride thing is a little 
have been like a Deus Ex Machina kind of thing. Kind of, yeah, because like, she went to watch Hill, but why did the Devon's Ride people show up from the other direction? Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, you know that guy who came earlier? Yeah, he was from Devon's Ride for some reason. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah. we're coming. And Fio was like, yeah, I kind of thought he was from Devon's Ride. I just didn't say it. Based on what? <laughs> okay, sure. Fine, Fio, you're right. <laughs> you're right all along. You knew all the things. <laughs> But either way, it was, it's great. They showed up just in the nick of time, and they saved Demon's Field, and now they're like... Yeah, yeah but then the White so Cloaks show up and have to be dicks. Oh, God, right, yeah. yeah, they come marching out. They didn't fight. No. And they demand that Karen give himself up that made me so angry when arrest. I read that part. I was like, just they're just chilling there, and everyone's dying around them. Those guys yeah. suck. Then finally, Perrin, like, tells them off. You know, he's like, you guys didn't help. That was the deal. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Quite right. And at first, they're like... No, and then everyone, everyone is, you know, yeah, yeah they're surrounded by all these broadhead arrows pointed at their hearts. And so they're like, maybe discretion is a better part of valor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're awful. Come on, you guys can't even fight Trollocs? What no. are you for? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking is like, to me, this is, this is, this is bad even for white cloaks. Like, white cloaks are supposed to be out there to kill Shadowspawn, and here they have a fuckload of Shadowspawn to kill. Yeah. No, nothing? Just gonna sit there on your asses, huh? Alright, mm-hmm. fuck you, you know? Because yeah. they're just the worst. Yeah, get lost. And there's a weird new character, too. A Farron? Yeah, is he supposed to be someone we recognize? Yeah, no, we know him. He's a... Uh, he's been... Dane mentions him. He's like his sergeant. Okay, okay. But okay. He has like a... Does he have like a weird attachment to Perrin or something? Or is he just... Because the, the, they keep mentioning that like he's like excited, then he's like he looks at like Perrin longing. I think he might yeah. be that really big guy that almost choked Perrin out that time. Oh, because he's big. That's the, the only connection. Oh, oh okay. But yeah, so he, he's, he's just some white cloak that has been mentioned. And he was oh. like he missed his chance to kill Perrin, and he really wants to kill him now. Or maybe he yeah. wants Perrin to return the favor and choke him out. <laughs> maybe that's his thing. Yeah, it could mm-hmm. be. If he likes. Men choking men, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. You know, as, as long as everybody's consensual. Exactly. Yeah. Choke who you want to choke. He's, oh, I hope Perrin might choke me in the next fight. Yeah. <laughs> he's like going home, he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, choke me, Perrin. Yes, he's polishing his helmet. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, the people all cheer as Perrin and Fael... Uh, Go off to bone. Right to the end of that sex. Yeah, I get it. Woo! <laughs> now that they've saved Evans Field, it's time to go to Bone Town. <laughs> Do you think that they did on their wedding night? Uh, of course they no, did. No, because I... that was in the morning. Remember? Oh. They got married in the morning and she left immediately. Oh. Then, yeah, they have some. This some, is it. They Catching have some to business you. to get to. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's now that they're married and they have this deep bond, it's time to find out whether they're sexually compatible. <sighs> no, God. they've totally been doing it. No, I, don't know. I don't Yeah, I, I totally. I don't think that they have. Like, they were. I, I, think that they're, I think that Two Rivers is very traditional in that way, and I think that they didn't do it. No, country people still have sex. I, well, obviously I know that, but not <laughs> in Two Rivers. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> they're all prudes there. Remember, remember everyone, like the, the, the first of Mayim was like trying to get in everyone's pants and everyone's like, Ooh, I don't understand. Yeah, what are you talking about? I can't marry you. <laughs> That's two rivers right there. Mm. It's a little vague, yeah. Mm. So, uh, in addition to, you know, getting, finally getting his, um, his little blacksmith wet, uh, <laughs> Perrin also accidentally gets lorded, I guess. Like, the, there's, there's this weird kind of thing that's going on. The mayor of, I think it's Watch Hill, comes up and it's like, oh, it's nice to meet you. I'm so sorry to disturb. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, right? differential. And apparently the, uh, the women's circle from, is it from Devon's Ride or from Watch Hill? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I think it's Watch Hill, because Fahil tells him, is coming to, like, vet him to, like, 
be the king of two rivers or something, I think. That's by the impression I'm getting. Right, yeah. So, so he's accidentally getting lorded. Lord Perrin, one way or the other. He's like, I'm a blacksmith, damn it. And everyone's like, oh, you're so funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's Lord Perrin for you. <laughs> That's what Lord Perrin always says after he kills 5,000 Trollocs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a blacksmith. <laughs> Give me my hammer. I, I love it. This is so satisfying. This uh, whole storyline has been really great. Yeah, yeah. and it's a, this is a, like a, from start to end, this is a really solid chapter, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we get a little bit at the end with Ordeeth. Who's uh, starting to talk like Machin Shin, right? Like, like some of the stuff he's saying is like very black windy. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he talks about Isam. So he talks about Isam like he's a person. Mm-hmm. And he seems to be implying that Isam was in charge of the Trollocs. Yeah, so maybe yeah. another Forsaken, I guess? That would be my guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's that. a Forsaken. I think it might be connected to Slayer. Maybe that's uh, Slayer. Oh, maybe. That could be. Yeah. Maybe, because... Slayer or, just disappears. Or Luke, or whoever the hell that is. Yeah, They're Slayer, same Luke, whatever. We just don't see him anymore, which was weird to me that he got hurt, and there was like this big reveal he got hurt, and then he's just gone for the well, rest of the book. Maybe he's one of those people who can dish it out but can't take it. You know, he's like all he's all about shooting people, but someone shoots him, and he's like... Eh. It's just Hold weird how he just completely disappeared. Mm. I was expecting there to be some sort of return to him before the end of the book, but there's not. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll see more of him, for sure. So... Chapter 57, A Breaking in the Threefold Land, Icon of the Aiel. So a bunch of stuff happened that I don't really want to recap because it's uh, really confusing with the the, the Aiel clans. I think the bottom line is there's a bunch of Aiel clans here that are meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the whole Aiel like, culture, politics thing that's going on here is, is very convoluted to me. Like their, their hierarchy, like I, even though we keep talking about it, I still don't understand like clans versus septs versus like yeah. and I understand that holds. there's society yeah, it holds and I know that there's societies like I understand that societies are sort of like a uh, an interspersing that happens on top of it but I don't know which one takes precedence yeah, the, even the this was uncharacteristic of Robert Jordan because even the geography of what was happening here was confusing because mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff happens at I guess like a fair that's happening outside Al-Khair Dahl mm-hmm. And then there's a canyon you go in to get to Alkar Dahl, and some of the people were in Alkar Dahl, but some of them were outside Arkil Dahl. Yeah, it was confusing. And there's apparently there's strict rules about who can go in and who who can who has to wait outside as well, though it's yeah, also right. very unclear. It but, just didn't seem that important, to be honest. Right. Yeah. And so, but Rand Rand heads mm-hmm. in basically to Alkar Dahl to meet with the clan chiefs and the clan chief's best friends who are all there. Like but not selected people. But not before we have another creepy uh, main of the spear ceremony where they get him drunk and take his clothes off. That does yeah. happen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they for some him, reason. They get him drunk on corn whiskey. Is that what it is? Yeah, because corn oh. is known by the super fancy name of Zimai, which is just maize. Oh. And then they drink Uskai. Oh. It, they say it, it looks like brown-tinged water and it's tastes whiskey. like It's it, corn whiskey. That totally makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, so they get him. The maidens have decided that they, he needs an honor guard, and they should be his honor guard because his mother was a maiden, and he doesn't belong to a warrior society. Yeah, mm-hmm. I and mean, it's it's kind of cool. But it's the, actually kind of cool of them to, to support him in that way. The ceremony is the remember honor ceremony again, but with shots of whiskey. So he takes ten shots of whiskey uh-huh. <laughs> with the ten maidens, and that goes about how it usually goes when you take ten shots of whiskey. <laughs> right. Yeah. He they have to undress him because he can't undress himself mm-hmm. and put him in bed, but they're tickling him too. Uh huh. Yeah, I know. It's a little creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, in these scenes, I can't help but in my head be like, okay, if the genders were swapped, this would be, like, fucked up, right? Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of dudes get a chick drunk and take her, off, take her clothes off and tickle her. I mean, that's, that's kind of weird, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's not... 
what he's going for, but damn. <laughs> right, yeah. But yeah, so he's got his maiden guard, and he's got over his hangover from that. So he heads in with Ruark and his guard to Al-Qair Dal, which is like a nice auditorium natural area. And apparently this, this whole gathering thing, you're only supposed to bring a small number of people. He brings every single one of this clan, which amounts to about 15,000 right. warriors, which is, is, is kind of, a, I guess, a, an act of war, maybe, a violation of custom. Right, yeah. But it's a good thing they do, because the fucking Shido are there like in, in Force 2, and yeah, I guess they right. were going to try and stop them from entering. That's, it looks like that was what they were gonna do. They were gonna the Shido were gonna block them because Kuladin is in there with the clan chiefs trying to give them his sales pitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Tardod come in like doing this badass like song thing. I thought that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, right? Yeah, singing this song like <laughs> Yeah. They're chanting this like warrior song as they go in and they're just like ignoring everyone around them, but they're like clearly making a yeah. path for him. And the Shido clearly are there to stop them, but there's so many of them and they're just chanting this song that they just sort of let him go. Yeah. I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah. So Kuladin is in, and they're giving the pitch to the other clan chiefs, and it turns out Kuladin has got the dragons also, the dragon tattoos. Apparently these tattoos aren't that special after all, you know? Rand's all like, <laughs> oh, these tattoos are about us, and then he's, oh, I got them too. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, Kuladin, this is his pitch. He says he's the Karakarn, the chief of chiefs. No one sees that one coming. I didn't see that one coming. I was like, yeah, oh, man. right. Damn, this dude. is not going to be as easy as we thought. Well, yeah. see, it's weird, too, because we had a bizarre moment with Moraine in the last, um, the, our last episode, where they're talking about the, the tattoos on both arms, and then it says, like, Moraine's eyes flickered or something like that. So I'm wondering if Moraine has something to do with this, if maybe she's setting up Kuladin in case mm-hmm. Rand doesn't work out for her? Maybe. Kuladin does not seem very easy to control. Yeah, no. that seems like a... Like that that seems like a really risky play for Moraine. I'm not sure she would uh, try and put stock in someone as volatile as Kulatin, but maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But, but she's just kind of hanging out in this whole chapter, just kind of wanting to be part of things, and nobody's letting her be part of things, and it seems like she's frustrated. It definitely, mm-hmm. It's definitely pissing her off, and she's trying to keep it under control, but I think it's like very irritating to her that all these things are... Yeah. You know, it is within the realm of possibility that she set up Kulatin to be Rand's enemy for some reason of her own. True. Mm-hmm. She still wants Rand to win, but she thinks this will achieve her goal. I do think that they put that in there, that Robert Jordan put that in there for a reason. I think that Moraine has something to do with all of this. Mm-hmm. It's possible. That there's a showdown, because Rand shows his dragons also. <laughs> his dragon D? His <laughs> dragon D. Yeah, he shows they, everyone his dragon D. They have a dragon D measuring contest. <laughs> <laughs> And it turns out they're exactly the same length. <laughs> they're tattoos. They're dragon destinies. Yeah. yeah, and they they basically have this kind of oratorical show off contest with the clan chiefs, uh, but which Rand wins because he actually has been to Ruidian and he starts telling the secrets of Ruidian. Yeah. Which he's not supposed to do. That was a risky choice on his part. Yeah, but you know he's the Kar Akarn and all. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, like it makes sense. The Aiel received this information with. They don't take it very well, yeah, you know. Understandably, mixed reception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, the Aiel don't take this this idea of their history very well, which we we already know is kind of a thing. I think Rod mentioned something that like one in three who go into Meridian die from learning about yeah, it. Yeah, like Meridian, mm-hmm. they just kill themselves through upsetness. Yeah, which yeah. which strikes me as a little extreme, but it like I have it, it's it's hard for me to imagine that. But the Aiel's culture and like honor is so integral to who they are and what they are. I guess it would be pretty. Uh, pretty soul crushing to find out that everything you're doing is like opposed to your actual intent. Yeah, right. Or your actual purpose. Right? But it totally does go 
crazy <laughs> in this place. Yeah. Like the idols start fighting each other, and, uh, and it, it, things are getting out of hand really fast, so Rand decides to calm things down by creating a thunderstorm in the Make auditorium. Make it rain, motherfuckers! Yeah. <laughs> I just told you things that are going to destroy your whole worldview, and I'm going to do this. Yeah, wow. Right he thinks to himself, like, what is it that Aiel don't know? Oh, that's just, it's like, bring some rain in here. They've yeah. probably never seen that before. That calms everybody down. A thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you know, he doesn't stick around for long. Yeah, no, yeah, because he, and he makes, like, a little... He makes a shield, I guess, to push out everybody and the rain. I think Lanfear does that. Oh, Lanfear does that. That makes a lot more yeah, sense. Yeah, that was the impression I got, is that Lanfear just like pops in and is like, come on, man, what are you doing over here? <laughs> yeah, what is this? What are you doing with these guys? <laughs> right. Which is what everybody's wondering. But the thing is, all the clan chiefs know that Rand is right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah before the crazy shit happens, the clan chiefs... The Rand proves to them that he's the one that went to Ruidian. Yeah, because he, he has that knowledge. Yeah, which Kuladin just totally does not have. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and Kuladin, yeah, Kuladin even tries to fake it. Like, yeah, I went in there, and our history is glorious. We killed everybody. Mm-hmm. And Rand's like, Nah, man, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like, Nah, man, it's not like that. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, even even so, that, it, things erupt so abruptly that I think it's hard. Even the clan chiefs wouldn't be able to get things under control before things got pretty. Extreme. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, they might have been able to. You know, get things under control if Rand hadn't started a thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> Some cleansing rain. Yeah. Yeah, Lanfear shows up and is like, man, I had a whole plan. Just like, you screwed like up my whole plan. Was like a, he was going to train you and they're like, this is all going to go great. What the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but you let slip that Asmodian is going to Ruidian for some reason. Mm. And because we know Asmodian is one of the peddlers. And then, like mid conversation, like Lanthier's like, and this is all going to happen, right? It's like I'm going, I'm going now, and just like pops yeah. through. <laughs> right. It's like okay, yeah, yeah. I think I remember how to do this, and he goes into like this other nether world for traveling. Yeah, but he was, but it, it kind of amused me. He was like, yeah. So which one of the totally freaky peddlers were you? Were you? Because he knew all along that they were that yeah. Lanthier must have been hiding in he there. He probably I guess. saw the, the icon at the beginning of the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That must be it. Yeah, we don't know what Rand knows. Yeah, so this Were is... Were you this the hot one or the fat one? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what he said. Yeah, it is what he said. <laughs> and she's like, you never would have expected me to be the fat one, would ya? <laughs> but she totally was the fat one. That's yeah. how tricky she is. <laughs> but apparently, she smelled like Lanfear still. So she's willing to be fat, but she's not willing to smell bad. Yeah, her disguise is not that good. It's not that good. <laughs> yeah, Brand, I guess Rand had her clocked from the very beginning as soon as the peddler showed up yeah he must have that's this thing that he's been wondering about and this is is this his trap he keeps thinking like i'm gonna spring my trap or something yeah, i think it i think it might be you know i mean like he's it seems like he's been planning this this whole thing as a, as a way of drawing them out in addition to bringing yeah i don't quite get it unless the plan is do something so crazy that they they just drop what they're doing and say what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, it worked, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's part of why he was he's been constantly laughing to himself because ah ha ha I know Lanfear is part of this. Yeah, I'm ahead of her or something. I guess. Right. Yeah. Not real clear. <laughs> but so yeah, he goes into some kind of crazy otherworldly magic chase fight with Asmodian. This is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> he's like running up these stair steps and stair steps like start getting bit further apart to, to match his steps and he catches up to him and then it's just like oh wait I don't have to run yeah and he sees Asmodian ahead of him in this nether world where they're traveling to get to Ruidian and Asmodian's just like standing on a moving platform <laughs> and Rand's like oh yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> but he's not very good at it like he just like stops on a stair step and the stair step starts moving <laughs> so it's like a, an escalator I guess 
I love it later on when they're traveling together and he makes this stone stair step again as Modian just like rolls his eyes. It's like, come on, man, really? <laughs> <laughs> I also want to point out that Asmodian's wearing like this uh, this shiny uh, red jacket they say is like shinier than um, like uh, velvet. Is he wearing like a vinyl jacket? He's wearing the Michael Jackson Thriller That's exactly jacket. what I was thinking. He's wearing like a pleather. Like a, I think that's what it is. I think it's totally Maybe worked. he is Michael Jackson. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Asmodee is Michael Jackson. That would make a lot of sense. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we need to learn more about Michael Jackson. I mean, he is a bard, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Yes. Did, I mean, there was that one time when they were like, the weird thing about Natale is how he looks like he's walking forward, but he's moving backwards. <laughs> and he just goes... <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's, it's written out, so it's hard to tell, but that's the sound, obviously, he was making. I mean, to be fair, if anybody was Tavaren, Michael Jackson was probably Tavaren. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Michael Jackson's definitely yeah. Tavaren. Yeah. I think he's one of the Forsaken. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. It's Michael Jackson Forsaken. <laughs> But yeah, when he, when uh, Asmodian turns around and he sees his face, it turns out he's uh, he was the bard, which I didn't actually expect. The glee. Oh, yeah. Sorry, the glee human. Like <laughs> I knew that I knew that the glee human was probably not you know actually a, a glee so human. Did you think it was Kadir? Yeah, I kind of thought it was Kadir. I, I uh, this one this one actually surprised me. I don't the the way Kadir was trying to do deals with Rand in some weird way. Yeah, like, I don't think a Forsaken would do that. A Forsaken <laughs> thinks that Rand is a bug, you know. I suppose so, yeah. And Nadir was doing all that, like, interrogative, just, like, asking him questions about, like, his motivations and things like that. I guess that's more of a forsaken thing. Right, yeah. He clearly was not a bard. <laughs> well, right. clearly. I, I, I was wondering if he was just, like, a, a, a mere draw in, like, human skin or something. I don't know. You know? <laughs> right. If it like, rains and it washes the fake eyes he'd drawn on his face. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he, like, bring, brings out, like, a black marker. Like, <laughs> draws his eyes back on. <laughs> Like googly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he like turns around and raises his face, puts on angry eyes. <laughs> I'm mad at you now. Now you're in trouble. Look at the angry eyes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, they're flying through this netherworld and they have like a weird fireball, flame wall, magic fight. It's interesting because uh, as most like we've seen a couple of wizard duels at this point, and I think it's interesting that every forsaken fights in a very, like, unique way, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. um, wizard duel was very, like, world-shattering. was clearly like, oh, I turn the room into, like, boiling steam, or I make the air so dense you can't eat this, like, big stuff. But Asmodian is very, like, precise in his, his like, even the, like, the walls of fire he makes are, are, are razor thin. Like, all of his stuff is just, like, precision stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting was, point. I, I just thought it was, like, kind of cool that... Uh, he fights totally differently than the other Forsaken. You know, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Asmodian makes it to the uh, the destination, I guess, and makes another doorway out of this other world into the world of Riridian. Yeah. And uh, Rand doesn't bother making his own doorway. He just dives through Asmodian's doorway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Barely makes it out. He's like, yeah. clips off part of his boot. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that did that. <laughs> I guess it's a good thing I didn't close on my foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole time Rand is thinking like, man, I do not know shit about what's going on right now. I really learned this shit. <laughs> yeah, that is what he keeps thinking. I didn't know that could happen. I didn't know that could happen. <laughs> Chapter 58, The Traps of Ruidian. Icon of the Wheel of Time. Our clip art that when he forgets to put something else in the chapter. <laughs> That's right. So they're at Ruidian, and they both plunge into Ruidian. 
Rand narrowly missing the traps that Asmodian has left for him. Yeah, he's like some like razor wire. Yes, yeah. you know, interdimensional razor wire or something. I don't know. <laughs> right, and they have they have like another chase fight through Ruidian as Asmodian is leaving traps for him, and Rand is trying to catch Asmodian, and Asmodian is looking for something. At some point, Rand just like puts a crazy shield around himself and just barrels through it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the solution is like, like oh, I guess I just better make the shield harder. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. But they they wreck Ruidian. They they destroy the fog wall. They they knock down all the buildings, and eventually Asmodian finds what he's looking for, which is that remote control for the giant saw Angriol statue. I kind of thought that might be what it was, but no one had said anything about it. Rand seemed to know what it was, right? I think he makes note of it when he's there yeah, the first time. Yeah, he's read about it, Yeah, which is the most powerful saw Angriol ever. I think it's convenient that you don't have to actually be in this giant immovable statues to use them. That is really nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if making it big is an element of why it's so powerful? Maybe. I mean, we don't know how this stuff works, so it could make sense that this, if the crystal bit is like the channeling component, or even the statue, then, you know. Yeah. But they, they both grab onto this remote control and they start wrestling over it. And it's a giant super wizard duel. Mm-hmm. Where they're smashing each other with, with huge flows of the power and stuff. And uh, they, they smash the place up even more, and uh, Rand wins by... He has a secret other Angriol that he has in his pocket. Just like, a little bit extra power. And he uses it to cut Asmodian off from the evil Dark, dark One threads. Mm-hmm. Which we he, uh, we he did in the... Is it the first book where he does that to Balsamon? I think... he Well, he, like, cuts it... He cuts a, a big tube. So it seems a little bit different. Yeah, but it's... Who knows? He mentioned... I think he, he mentions at some point that he's been thinking about that thing that he did ever since... He did it. And, yeah. You know, yeah. But he d- cuts that, and that uh, shocks and dismays Asmodian, so Rand eventually wins the fight and gets control of the powerful Saw Angriel. And uh, then Lanfear shows up, and she's like, What are you doing, man? <laughs> Why are you guys fighting? This, God, this is, this like, is embarrassing. This, He's like, rolling around in the dirt like morons. And, and Rand looks around and, like, well, now that mountain is shorter now, and that mountain is shorter now. <laughs> yeah, I guess we did kind of fuck shit up, didn't we? Yeah, and there's a giant fissure throughout the, through like the whole 50 city. wide or something like that. Right, and like the, the other end of the valley is sunken now, and it's filling up with water. And uh, the, the dome that's been protecting Ruidian is dissolving, like this thing that's been there for, what, thousands of years? Something like yeah, that. Easily. Yeah, easily. Yeah, is just destroyed because right, you know, all the Terangriol are piled up in heaps. Some of them broken and shattered. It's like oh, I wonder what they just destroyed. You know yeah. <laughs> how much history that's irreplaceable. You know, mm-hmm. at least they didn't kill the Aiel, um, you know, holodeck thing. Right. Yeah, that thing's really cool for making two out of three Aiel kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that one one extra guy, he's you know, he knows what's up. <laughs> yeah. But so Lanfear shows up and doesn't kill Rand. And sort of assigns Asmodian to Rand as a trainer now. Yeah, mm-hmm. shields him like mostly and is like, well, you can do a little bit of channeling, but you know. Yeah. Is enough. he shielded or is he stilled? He's shielded. He is? Yeah, she shields him but leaves a little hole in it so he can kind of sort of channel. Huh, yeah, okay. She, which, you know, of course she's able to be more precise with that stuff than anyone else. She's got all kinds of extra yeah. skills and stuff. But, but mm-hmm. yeah, but Lanfear messes with him for a while and talks about how she, he's going to love her or whatever eventually. And we find out that Lanfear was Mirren, who was the Aes Sedai from mm. Ruidian, the final yes. memory. Right, yeah. She which doesn't I, like being called that. Which I yeah. suspected. Yeah, I actually had... I know that we, we find out later, but I uh, I had to go flip back to that chapter and be like, was that the same name? It was! You know, I was very excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, 
three pages later they tell us so, you know, <laughs> fuck me I guess <laughs> <laughs> you're trying too how hard how dare man. you do a deep dive <laughs> in there right? yeah but I th- this whole exchange was great to me like there's a you know they're, they're, they're arguing a little bit and then like he, he calls her Mieran and she like I guess turns his like they say she smashes his face like butter under a rock it sounds horrible he's just Asmodian like, yeah 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 sorry yeah Asmodian then yeah, she starts crushing him yeah and then Rand just like drops a bolt of pure energy between them is like yeah I like how that, that was I, described and he was like and then I just like you know because he's used to channeling these massive flows to the giant saw and grill and he's like and then I sent just a tiny little trickle of energy and it seems to beam of white hot fire that, <laughs> that melts the ground yeah <laughs> to just like and then she's like okay okay I won't squash yeah you're, you're right I probably shouldn't kill him right and then she leaves mm-hmm. again yeah and Rand's like, well, all right, let's go back now. I guess we're good now. <laughs> yeah, right. Now you're my trainer. You work for me now. Yep. Oh, and you're uh, you're gonna keep me in the Glee Man. You're gonna be the Dragon's Glee Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Rand now has both of those statues, right? Because he finds the other one. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But that seems plot crucial. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, and he thinks he looks around Ruidian and he sees the lake and he's like, this is going to be green. You know, it's going to be like the like the water plans in the in the at around L.A. Yeah. Right? This is going to be, like, the most amazing, like, fruitful land now. And are they regrowing the Chola, too? Is that what's happening with Avendasaur? Um, what do you mean regrowing? Uh, so, so I, I, I was actually confused about this, because I thought he had said that the, uh, that the, the Tree of Life was in flames. Was it not? Uh, he says at the end that it was messed up, but, like, a branch had fallen off. Oh, like, That's okay. all. But it was still there. Okay. Okay, I thought they were saying something with the water. They were going to be, like, regrowing the Chora around there, too. Oh, maybe they will. Yeah. I don't think I saw that, but maybe. Although, does the Tree of Life need water? It's magical or something, right? We don't know. I think he's... The idea is there's this dead city that's been frozen in time, and it's going to become living again. He's uh, awfully destroyed, though. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> by living, I mean he's going to flood the whole thing and yeah. maybe plant some trees. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like Tennessee Valley Authority. Yeah. Water project. Oh. So they head back to Al Dal, and this is where <laughs> Asmodian has to ride on Rand's shitty little stone platform. He's <laughs> <laughs> in the side eye, like, come on, man, really? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and he gets back there, and the Aiel have split. The, it's all calm now. Like, he bailed in the middle of this crazy conflict. And about three quarters of the Aiel are still there, but a quarter of the Aiel have left and gone with Kuladin. And not just the, the whatever, the Coughlins or the Shido, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, it's a, it's a, some from all of the societies, the ones that couldn't deal. Except for Ruark's people. Yeah, because yeah. they're, 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 they're solid. The yeah, because they're the best. I think it's just because they've had uh, more time to deal with it, you know? Yeah, they, they've, they probably accept him for what he is. Just because of, they've been traveling with him, they've seen what he's capable of. Yeah, which is, that's not what Rand wanted to happen. Uh, this whole split off splinter Aiel army that hates him. Yeah, Kulidin just like fucked everything up, didn't he? He really did. We actually, I think we actually find out that Kulidin was uh, Osmodian's doing. I think Lanfear makes a side comment, something like, "Oh yeah, he yeah. set up he set up Kulidin and he did all this to distract you while I go to while he went to Roadian." Oh, oh, right. Okay. So that so he used magic to make those tattoos. That would be my guess. Like if anyone could do it, it'd be a Forsaken, right? Right. Maybe that's his specialty. Tattoos. <laughs> <Making> tattoos. <laughs> and sweet, sweet pleather jackets. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He's a style man, you know? Mm-hmm. So we close on Rand 
getting together as buddies, Matt and Ruark and Moraine and Egwene and now uh, Natale. Right. The Gleeman slash Forsaken slash Magic Trainer. Uh, and he's he's got his army. He's got all the, the people of the Aiel following him, except for some of them. How do you think Robert Jordan did with the big all these big-ish reveals with Rand after we spent the entire book having literally no idea what Rand was thinking? I don't think it worked, to no. be honest. Because like, there weren't any real hints. Like It's not like a mystery we could put together. And those people... I think he made them too cartoonish, right? Clearly these people are off, you know? Mm-hmm. But everybody else doesn't notice that there's something wrong with these people. Yeah, the, 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 the traitors that are right, like the peddlers, though we didn't necessarily know who was who, it, they were immediately sinister. And everyone else didn't seem... Matt didn't seem to pick up on that. No one else seemed to be picking up on that except for Rand. Mm-hmm. It was weird. But why... So Rand knows they're Forsakens, right? Yes. Yeah, Or he knows totally. there's some Forsaken there. Why not blast them, Right. Plan A, kill them. Yeah, because they, they don't they don't know that he knows. Exactly. Yeah. Right? He's got the jump on them. Yeah. That is true. His his trap is a little unnecessarily elaborate. I don't even understand his trap. What is his trap? Lure them out of the open and then I think I think his plan was to capture Asmodian. Like he he says at some point as he's chasing him, I don't want to kill him, I want to capture him. So I think his plan is Lanfear's plan, it's just he he wanted to kind of take it as his own. Okay. To capture Asmodian and make him teach him. But he doesn't know for sure that there's a male forsaken there at all, right? I think he does. I think that's something... Because remember, when Lanfear appears, he's like, where is he? Oh, uh, okay. He, he knows that there's another forsaken. So he figured it out somehow. And Lanfear at some point had mentioned that she was going to have Asmodian training, but this is not the first time we've heard that. I think she mentions earlier in the book something like, oh, you know, we could have this guy do it or this guy, but no, Asmodian's the best and he gives me a favor. Right, like so it, I didn't feel like his plan was well thought out. No, you know? well, clearly not. Like, my plan is to, what, have, like, an incredibly chaotic meeting that's so fucked up that it makes Lanfear come out of hiding, and then because she wants to bone my past life, she's going to tell me where the guy is? Like, Well, I think, yeah. I think he thought, expected Asmodian to be there, like... The, but he was not, like, the fact that Asmodian was off to Rodian was, like, not part of his plan. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just, like, something he found out in that moment. And then he was just going to, like, catch them one on two? I guess, yeah. Well, I, I think he thought, I think in his plan, Lanfear was going to help him, though I don't know mm-hmm. why he would think So that. why didn't he tell anybody about this? Why not tell Moraine about this? Well, She's tell, good at plotting. Telling Moraine that he was going to be, like, teaming up with a Forsaken is probably not, like, a great... I think that sounds like exactly the kind of thing Moraine would do. Yeah, the, the ends think. justifying the means. Yeah, maybe. But he hasn't. He hasn't used her ever, really. He doesn't trust her. For no, sure. not at all. Yeah, he doesn't trust her. He didn't tell Matt about it. He didn't tell anybody about it. Yeah. He doesn't I, I even just, tell himself about yeah. it while, we're, while he's apparently the, the yeah. Guy. Yeah, the core idea is I just don't think his plan makes any sense. No. Yeah. And and it led led to all these chapters where, you know, these people act super sketchy. And Rand laughs to himself, and everybody says, "Are you crazy?" And he's like, "No, but I've got a plan." Yeah, I and mean, that just happened over and over again, and it didn't make much sense. He's going crazy. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it's just like he's 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 not thinking because he's just going a little crazy. Yeah. What'd you guys think? Um, I just thought it was weak. I agree with you. Yeah, his his it's still not entirely clear to me what he was what he thought he was going to do. Like I. What he does with Asmodian chopping off his connection to the Dark One, he said that he had been thinking about doing that, but like he couldn't see that connection until they were already in they were in that interdimensional thing. So it was like 
a passing thing that he's like, oh yeah, there they are. But mm-hmm. but I mean like, he seems to imply that his plan all along was to disconnect him from the the dark one and then tell all the other for make it so all the other forsaken thought that he had joined him, so he had to join him. But that that seems like that was his plan, but it just yeah, it it, it doesn't. I don't see how he thought that was going to go right. You know, mm-hmm. I can't picture like the optimal outcome for him and what that what he thinks that is you know yeah yeah and especially in comparison to the Tenchiko story which was you know a little silly and frustrating at times but entertaining yeah. and the parent story which was glorious uh, right yeah i this so was just weak this is yeah. when i remembered why i like parents so much like this 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 part was really what brought parents character out for me because for a long time he was irritating too he was all you know oh i'm a wolf i don't want to be a wolf you know and and <laughs> to be fair he didn't talk much about his wolfiness in this. So, he didn't. It's yeah. true. <laughs> there weren't any wolves around, so that may come back. I don't know. But for, <laughs> but for now, he's, he's doing a lot better. And he, I think he was one of my favorite characters in this book. It's like his, his arc, dis, despite how incredibly frustrating his relationship with Fayil was early on, uh, this ended up being one of my favorites. But yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. It was weak. I, I do think that the wizard duel part was fun, though. I like, I like all the wizard duels that Robert Jordan writes. I yeah, it was pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're always interesting because I think he has really create. He thinks of really creative ways to use magic as a weapon. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It feels like Robert Jordan has realized that he has to stretch this whole story out, and he just doesn't know what to do with Rand right now. It's almost like he's gone kind of spinning in place in a lot of ways. It feels like. I, yeah, you know what? I think that this the bit with Kuladin and the two chief of chiefs feels like that should have happened like in the middle of this book, mm-hmm. and then they should have spent the rest of the book dealing with that. Yeah. Because that feels like this huge unresolved thread. Like, this is supposed to be the book... Or it would feel better if this was the book where Rand goes and gets in touch with his Aiel heritage and gets himself an army that's loyal to him. Mm-hmm. But that's not done yet. Yeah, we're, we're left with, with a pretty gaping open open ending here, or open end with this this Kool-Aid and stuff. Definitely. Yeah, and it just it was repetitive, and there were a lot of characters that weren't very pleasant. The only stuff I liked about it really was the Matt stuff. Yeah. Hmm. It even made the Aiel seem a little weaker because we kind of we found out all this information about their society, which was frankly kind of dull. Yeah, it really dull was. And, and really convoluted. Like, like I mentioned before, I, we we've heard about this stuff over and over again, but I still do not understand their structure. And maybe that's intentional. Maybe we're supposed to be seeing it from Rand's perspective. Yeah, Rand doesn't understand it, but like, but I cannot understand it after yeah. ten pages instead of a hundred. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Every time they bring it up, I'm just like, wait, what? It it does not make for interesting reading because yeah. it's all about their like their their structure like their organizational structure and stuff, which is not the most interesting thing to read about. Yeah. And I, was, I was a little disappointed to learn that, like, despite the fact that they have the, this this great, like, lady warrior society and the the, um, the maidens of the spear, they still have the, the same kind of stupid gender division stuff where it's like, oh, this is man's space. Women can't go there. Oh, this is women's space. Men can't go there. Right. Like, they still had that. And I was like, but you have, like, fucking lady warriors so I guess they're exempt from that rule that just doesn't make sense I mean I don't know yeah his idea of, of gender equality is separate but equal I know it, it, totally it, is. it bugs me every time and I keep hope like I, I keep hoping that there's going to be like something something that, that breaks that mold and I thought the IEL might be that but then we see the same things over and over again yeah so. so thinking about it now from like a story structure this is why the parent storyline is so much more Satisfying. It gets tied up. It, there's a yeah. yeah. There's like a beginning where they're doing this traveling stuff, and they 
they like are finding out this situation that's going on in Emmett's field and this is all this drama and there's this like turn into act two where Perrin finds out that his family's dead and he can't help them uh, and he become, it becomes this story of him like becoming unwilling, unwittingly this lord of the two rivers until this like turn where the Trollocs start attacking and it becomes this huge battle scene right yeah uh, and then it gets wrapped up, you know, and it like his story thread with Fail gets wrapped up, his relationships with the townspeople gets wrapped up, uh, his feelings, like sort of his grief feelings for with his family and stuff, gets wrapped up. Yeah, that's yeah. strong. The There's Tenchiko a- stuff is less strong, although it still does have like it has these clear, clearly defined acts. Yes. But with the Rand stuff, I was looking for it, and there is not a lot of structure there. He sort mm-hmm. of he he goes to Ruidian, right, and then there's that. Like, that act. Like, he goes to Ruidian, he finds out all this Aeol stuff. Which is great. I, I love that Ruidian Which chapter. was really strong. But yeah. then the rest of it was basically him hanging around with some Aeol. Well, the end. it's not unlike, what was it? Um, I think it was in The Great Hunt, where it starts out and he's just kind of hanging around. Moraine has made a camp in the mountains somewhere, and he's just kind of hanging out near the camp in a tent being crazy. Mm-hmm. It was not unlike that to me, where we don't know what's going on in Rand's head. We don't know why he's acting the way he's acting and nothing is really clearly yeah in a way they're kind of glorified travel chapters i mean like that's that's the stuff that that bores me the most when robert jordan is doing these like long transition kinds of things where they're going from place to place in a way it was kind of that right like yeah. all of Ransom yeah i'm like just kind of traveling around the waste and talking about these different aspects of this society there were mm-hmm. some really awesome key parts that happened but a lot of the stuff in between was just nothing yeah and like I would have liked to have known more about what he did with the information from Widian yeah, we should, or oh, how yeah. he processed it what he thought about it any of that because right. we, we get this amazing remember he went thing. into the red door we never found out what he saw in the red door yeah that too yeah we just didn't get enough from him it was not compelling well the red door he learned he had to go to the Aiel and make a trap for the Forsaken apparently I guess that was <laughs> that's it that must have been it yeah. yeah right and then something will happen with the Forsaken don't worry about it <laughs> yeah they're like what do I have to do first go get the sword alright then what do I do go to the go to the Aiel waste and get the Aiel <laughs> and then I presume in the next book we'll find out the third question he asked so I I think Robert Jordan has this problem that he doesn't know how to solve where Rand is godlike mm-hmm. at this point he just has to get upset about something and he'll be able to do some magical thing that will solve this problem. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard to create drama for him. Mm-hmm. And I think it reminds me of Superman, which I may have mentioned before. I think Superman is a really boring character to read about because he can do anything at all times and he's like, he's infinitely strong and infinitely moral. Mm-hmm. But Superman is really interesting to read about when you see him from someone else's perspective. You know, like when he's like flying over, when you see him from Batman's perspective or something, and Batman is, you know, has to put in all this work to be doing what he's doing, and then Superman comes in like this blue god, you know, and he, and he comes in and, and, and everybody's like, oh shit, Superman's here, everything changes. You know, the effect he has is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But he's not very interesting to, you know, when he's like, I wonder how my mom feels back on the farm in Kansas or whatever Superman's stupid plot lines are. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I had to stand up my date, my Lois Lane date or something, because mm-hmm. I was too busy saving the city. That's not very interesting. So Rand, Rand suffers from the same problem where he's all-powerful, but... Yeah, the best chapters, I thought, were the Matt chapters, because he's like, what the fuck's going on with Rand? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, 
I think that, but it feels like with Matt, the in Matt chapters, the Rand stuff was almost incidental. Matt was mostly just focused on what was going on with him. I think that's that's the situation in which a character like Rand or Superman is interesting. Well, well I mean, like when they're like a force that affects the character. I, I think the Matt Matt would be interesting without Rand there too, maybe. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's true. Yeah, yeah, I'm just talking about Rand specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he, he's he's very uh, because so Matt not, doesn't have sure. that problem. He has lots of flaws and problems. <laughs> yeah, right? that's true. Yeah, I guess Rand is sort of incidental most of, incidental most of the time. He's just kind of there. Yeah. But you know, he, he I, I guess he's he's gonna do it again, right? He's like, well, I found these super godlike artifacts. So I just got, guess I'm just not gonna use them. <laughs> he thinks about it. He's like, well, if I'm not gonna use the the magic sword, I'm definitely not gonna use these things. <laughs> I'm gonna go hide them somewhere. Like, why not? Right? I mean, this it's you're like, about to march to war. Why don't you just? Blast the opposing armies with beams of fire. Right, like go get the sword in one hand and the the remote control your TV remote in the other. And just start like, let's go for the dark one. Let's, yeah, let's shut this thing down. Yeah, he's infinitely powerful, but we don't get any sort of knowledge of his character that would make that interesting because being infinitely powerful is boring. Right, there's no drama to it. Yeah, I think that's what we're seeing with these Rand chapters. Yeah, and I, I he tried to create drama with this sort of. Weird trap and counter trap situation with the Forsaken. Yeah. Maybe the dramatic arc is supposed to be that Rand has all this power, but he doesn't know how to use it, so he needs to solve the problem of finding a trainer. Yeah. I mean, that's, but, that's where we ended up, but we ha- we didn't we didn't come by it uh, honestly through the narrative, right? It was just like at the end, Rand's like, "Well, that's what I was doing the whole time." Mm-hmm. Right. That was it, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And because yeah, he because he is so powerful, the only people who can really challenge him are the Forsaken. But every time, single time he finds Forsaken, he just destroys them. Yeah, even with no training. Yes. Okay, we should do this. How would you rate this book? If I, you would I, make a list. I still enjoyed it overall. Uh, I, I, I mean, like, are you talking about like ranking it versus the others? Versus the other books in the series. Um, this is still. I I would say this is still up there. I, I really did uh, like some of the story arcs of this book a lot, and this. I think this book had some of my favorite chapters in the series so far, between like Ruridian stuff and uh, a couple of Perrin's chapters. I think this had some of my favorite s- s- sections we've seen so far. So I, I might say this one would be my favorite. If the, I oh, yeah. This is my favorite by far. The Ruidian oh, wow. and the stuff with Perrin is incredibly compelling. And at least, even though Nynaeve's detective agency is annoying, at least they were traveling to some interesting places and doing some interesting things. I think Teleranriad is awesome. Um, yeah, there's some great Teleranriad. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one. Oh, great. What, what about you, Jeff? The worst one. <laughs> uh, not the worst one. I think the worst one so far is The Great Hunt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was a lot of traveling that was repetitive and stuff in The Great Hunt. Uh, this one, yeah, it had great chapters, but I think the story was weak. Um, I thought that the the Dragon Reborn had the tightest stories, the, okay. the, the way the story was put together. So would this book be number two or number three? I, yeah, see, I don't know. It would toss up between that and the first one, because mm-hmm. I always like the first one of a series where you're finding out new stuff and mm-hmm. meeting these new characters. Because, like, for instance, Tom Marilyn hasn't been interesting since the first book. And he was... Uh, maybe I think he was one of my favorite characters, right? Yeah, I think he was really good in the first book, but I think that but he's just—he wasn't in the second book, and then he's just a tag along in the third book, and now. I, I think that Tom Marilyn might be one of the only good characters in the first book. Though. I remember in the first book that I, I felt like a lot of the characters were really weak, and kind of just like caricatures or, or, or very flat, mm-hmm. you know. I got incredibly impatient with the first book, particularly with Rand. 
Yeah. I mean, because it just it was the worst of everything. It was just a bunch of boring traveling, and nobody had really become interesting yet. And Matt was had the dagger, so he was just this one dimensional asshole. And Rand was just going through all his mopiness about Tamil Thor is my real father, blah 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 <laughs> blah. Um, and Perrin going through his whole wolf emo phase. I think Eye of the World was probably my least favorite. Uh, I think mm. the great hunt. Wow. I think the great hunt is definitely my least favorite. Uh, it also has some dragging moments. Yeah. Oh yeah. It also had all this shit with the Shanshan and the slavery stuff. And the okay, no, BDSM you're right. You're stuff. right. Great hunt was the worst. That was awful. I, yeah. I don't like that. I wish the Shanshan would just sail away and not come back. <laughs> I don't like reading about them. <laughs> but they're still lingering around. We know. This bug but now, that we're that but now Nynaeve is friends with the Shanshan. Whatever can she do about it? It's so weird. She had, why did the woman make her like her? I know, God, that, that, was, that was a little annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, I guess we're gonna get more Sean Chan eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I have another Sean Chan book someday. But overall, yeah, I, I really did like this book. There were uh, several places that I did not like, but I think that the, the it ties up nicely overall. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's it for this episode. So we'll be taking a break from the Dragon Reread because we're going to be focusing on the next book in the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, yeah. for our podcast, Muggles with Attitudes, so you should check it out. Yeah, mwapodcast.com. Please get that wherever you get your fine podcasts, it's, uh, MWA, Muggles with Attitude. Yeah, so, so I mean, it may be unclear because we've only done it once, but from we're going to be alternating books. We're going to do a... A time book and then a right. Harry Potter book. Yeah, so we're going to do probably four or five episodes on Harry Potter 2. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't know the name of. Harry Potter, right the, the secondest book of all. <laughs> <laughs> the one that came after the first one. Uh, but then we're going to return to the Wheel of Time series. Yeah, then so. we'll be back after that for season five of The Dragon Reread. We're going to read The, the Fires of Heaven. Indeed. Uh, so we hope you'll stick with us for that. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Micah Sparkman at uh, my house, I guess. Probably where I'll be. <laughs> That's probably a Twitter account. Oh, yeah. Okay, don't do that. My <laughs> house, which is probably where I'll be. That's a good one. <laughs> if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews on whatever service you got this from. Please check out our Patreon. We'd love to have your dollars at patreon.com slash club. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. Until next time, the, the light, light illumine you. you.